We're live. This is so exciting. Welcome to History of the Sports Bra. So, first of all, welcome, welcome. This is uh, the very first episode of History of the Sports Bra. It's our inaugural episode. I am one of the hosts, Sophie Segretti, and I'm joined today by the wonderful Julia Hostetter. Hey, everyone. I'm, I'm Julia, and I'm just really stoked to be here today. So at History of the Sports Bra, we are huge fans of women's sports, and we wanted to get a little bit deeper into the history of women's sports, particularly in the U.S., I feel like recently I realized how little I knew about women's sports, and it was kind of thanks to some other really awesome podcasts that I realized that I have no idea about the first woman marathon runner, or I didn't realize, you know, when the first women's soccer league in the world wasn't founded until 2000, which seems ridiculously late to me. Yeah, I feel like in a way we're just completely blessed because we were so blissfully ignorant. But then, you know, when you're starting and looking at the the facts of the situation, it's pretty uh, recent history. I mean, everything is extremely, you know, it's it's been happening for years now. Yeah. And like we are both based out of Boston and the Boston Marathon is a huge, huge deal. Women weren't allowed to run the Boston Marathon until 1972 which was crazy, which was a crazy thing that I learned recently. Yeah. I, I know. I, I heard um, from podcasts that, that doctors used to believe that running long distances for, for women was detrimental to their health. And, and marathon officials to try to keep women from running would claim that if they ran that far, their uterus would fall out. And I have no idea where they got that from, but it's very interesting. I don't know if anybody's uterus has ever fallen out ever. <laughs> Ever like in the history, I don't know. No, no. If I know uteruses and I know them a little, it's never once fallen out. <laughs> yeah, no, no amount of motion I think is gonna pop that bad boy out. You know. No, it is up there. It is up there. That brings us to our podcast history of the sports bra. So we had to start with the history of the sports bra. A, because it's the name of the podcast, but B, because I personally feel like this is a really big step in women being able to play sports. So once I started researching this, I learned that the sports bra was invented like a hundred years after women started playing sports. And this included sports that I feel like would need a sports bra. And I don't know. I... I am just somebody who feels like anytime I've had to run to catch like a train or an Uber or like quickly jog downstairs in a normal bra, I can't imagine doing an actual athletic sport without a sports bra. Oh yeah. No, no way. That why no. It would just cut right in, cut deep. <laughs> I know, I think the tissue would die, really. It really Yeah. So this is actually a very timely time to talk about the sports bra because there's this annual trade show, the CES, I believe it's a Consumer Technology Association, and it took pa- took place this past January, and the National Inventors Hall of Fame announced that they would induct the three inventors of the first commercial sports bra into the Investor Hall of Fame. 
So these women are Lisa Lindahl, Polly Smith, and Hinda Miller. And her last name uh, before she got married was Shriver. So sometimes in articles, she's still referred to as Hinda Shriver. Some snaps. Some snaps for that one. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. And you can see a picture of these three women. I mean, they look like they have everything in their life together, but they also look like your lovely mother. I don't know. They just look, uh, I, I love them. I love them. Yeah. We'll put some pics up on our website, which is historyofthesportsbra.com. Very easy to find. So, okay. Starting with the history of the sports bra for this episode. If you go to the Wikipedia page for the sports bra, the very first picture that comes up is not a sports bra. So first of all, again, we'll put this pic on the site, but or just go to wikipedia.com, type in history of the sports bra. You'll see this woman is running on a beach. And clue one, she is also wearing what I think Wikipedia would then define as underwear if they think the top is a sports bra. So she's wearing a matching underwear and a sports bra, quote, quote, top, running on a beach. No, it's a bathing suit bottom. This is a woman in a bikini. It's a sporty bikini, but it is not a sports bra. Mm. And furthermore, I zoom in on the logo. I used to swim, so I know the brands. It's TYR. That is a common swimsuit company. I cannot believe that Wikipedia could not even find a normal picture of a woman in a sports bra. I know, it's just, she definitely looks like she's going to be on Baywatch before actually, you know, performing in any sports. It's it's just a ridiculous looking photo. I mean, there are so many other pictures out there. You can't find another one, like, I don't know, Brandy Chastain maybe, and yes. use that. I mean, um, that's the perfect highlight. But sadly, where we are right now, we're in the 1970s. Women are out there playing sports, but they're not being supported. And so in 1975, Glamorized Foundations Inc., which is quite the name, introduces the free swing tennis bra. And the ad claims that this is for the active woman who golfs, skis, bowls, skates, sails, cycles, on the go. So, okay, this doesn't look like any of these are true high-impact sports, but... What about the name Free Swing Tennis Bra? I mean, the first three words don't even indicate anything. Free Swing Tennis. What do you think that means? And then they don't, don't even know. include tennis in their in their slogan. They say golf, ski. I mean, it's just but not tennis. So why did you include it in the main name? I know. So this was nineteen seventy five. It's just, it's crazy that 25 years ago, or, or 25 years from the year 2000, like around the time when Brandy Chastain ripped it off, that's, you know, that's what we started with. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, women yeah. started playing tennis in the early 1900s, like late 1800s, I think. So mm-hmm. it's crazy to me to balance sexes. That was in 1973, I believe, between Billie Jean King and Riggs. I mean, Billie Jean King wasn't wearing a sports bra, whether or not it was a wire bra or she was just, I guess, actually free swing in it. it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> free swing tennis in it. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. That, that she, you know, wasn't even invented yet. 
she I mean it's not like I didn't give her all my respect already but to do it without even wearing something that you know a little bit of protection a little bit of comfort up there crazy so then okay 1973 we have BJ King no bra tennis then we have 1975 free swing tennis bra doesn't actually sound like a bra so then we get to 1977 and so the first real sports bra the one that we can attribute to those lovely ladies that we were talking about earlier is invented so just a few few stone throws north of us we're chilling here in boston lisa lindahl polly smith and hinda schreiber oh here see i call her schreiber here and not hinda miller but anyways created the first sports bra in the costume shop of this Royal Tyler Theater at the University of Vermont. So how we got here, Lisa was like a big runner and the discomfort of running in a normal bra, as we can all imagine, drove her to invent the first sports bra. So she was working with the costume designer, Polly Smith, and Smith's assistant, Hinda Miller slash Schreiber. And she was creating like prototype after prototype. None were working out. Until one day, Lisa and Polly are chilling at Lisa's house, and Lisa's husband comes down with the two jock straps over his chest. Yes. And legend has it says, Here's your jock bra, ladies. I don't know. I know. A little odd, little odd, not trying to be judgmental, but a little odd. Anyways, Lisa, I guess, tries on these two jock straps. And it's like, wow, like, okay, this is it. And so then, next thing you know, Polly and Lisa, they're in the theater at the University of Vermont. They're sewing jock straps together, and they're forever changing women's sports, one jock strap at a time. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought? A jock strap. I mean, the sizing confuses me, but, but you know, yeah. that's another topic for another day. Yeah. Yeah. It's a baseline. It's a baseline. It's a prototype. Here we are. We've got this jockstrap bra. And so it was renamed to the jog bra to be a little bit more fitting. And apparently there's a bronze version of the original jog bra on display near the costume shop of the theater. So I think we have to have a little field trip for our podcast. Head up there. Take a look. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. And so then 1978 rolls around. These lovely ladies file a patent for the athletic brassiere and describe it as being suitable for women runners that holds the breasts comfortably and snugly to the body. So that was the first part of inventing the first real sports bra. So how do we measure if sports bras are a necessity? Well, I will tell you, there are these two doctors whose research really supported further investments and advances in sports bras. So these two lovely ladies are one, Dr. Christine Haycock, and two, Dr. LeGene Lawson. So Dr. Christine Haycock published the first study that used biomechanical techniques to investigate breast motion in 1978. And then in 1984, Dr. LeGene Lawson who is then a grad student, got a research grant to study breast movement in order to build a better sports bra. And 
Dr. Lawson's 1984 research is one of the seminal papers on sports bras that still gets read and cited on average once a week. It feels bad to say that part of me kind of loves that this happened so recently just because I can find digital records of most things that happened in this story. But that also means that women were running sports brawless for far too too long. long. Way too long. Uh Uh-uh. Not going to be able to do it. I'm lucky. I consider myself lucky now. It's little things. Yeah. So I was actually able to find Dr. Lawson's original 1985 paper. And I've never enjoyed reading a research paper like this before. I am in economics and this sentence just sends a little shivers down my spine. She goes, few studies have attempted to approach the problem of excessive breast motion in any sort of empirical fashion. Yeah, so now we're actually we're actually answering these issues with with numerical backup at least. Mm-hmm. And we'll get to the bottom of of where the discomfort is, how much is the discomfort, like what can you do to solve it? I just I love numbers. Numbers make sense to me. We love numbers. So then 1984 rolls around. And so this is the year that Joan Benoit, which I'm sure there's a French way of saying it, Benoit, Benoit. won the first women's Olympic marathon. So that's like monumental in and of itself, but it's relevant to us because, again, peep the site. If you look at, there are some pictures of her crossing the finish line, and you can just see her white sports bra peeking out from under her jersey. Yeah, so now you're you're actually getting, you know, sports bras that feel like they're weighing the marathon instead of the human itself. And it also makes me wonder too, with you know, 1984, it did take 12 years between the woman, a woman running in the Boston Marathon, um, mm-hmm. to it being in the Olympics, which obviously was in the men's uh, men's side at the time. So I don't know what the delay was, but it's good that they got her in there. Yeah, yeah, 12 years, like. I understand there has to be at least maybe a two or four year lag based on when right. it happened, like math, but come on, 12? Dragging their feet, dragging their feet. That's dragging their feet. And then in 1991, the Associate Press has this article called Sports Bras Fill the Need for Female Athletes, and it cites both Dr. Lawson and Dr. Haycock. And it refers to Dr. Haycock as a pioneer in breast motion studies. So then, okay, there are two main types of sports bras today. Your normal compression bras that look kind of like, I would, I wish Wikipedia had something I could cite. actually referenced, yeah. <laughs> Unavailable at the moment. Picture your average racer back sports bra. It's, it's squeezing. There's no like. I guess, physical encirculation, you know, of of the boobs themselves. And then the second is called an encapsulation bra. Sounds a little far out. Right, yeah. It's a little ET-ish, but we can hang. We can can ride Mm -hmm. with this. So basically, the compression bra, doing great things, but some women with bigger busts can't couldn't find a compression bra that provided enough support and stabilization and doubling up those sports bras didn't help 
And so there was this woman, Renelle Bratton, which I could be mispronouncing because there are two A's in the middle, double A. So she played a lot of city league volleyball when she was young, and she just couldn't find a sports bra that met her needs. And so she turned to her mom, who was a seamstress, to help find a solution. So I think the takeaway here is if you have some issue with clothes, you need a seamstress or a costume designer friend. Yeah, you definitely need you definitely need someone who can help you out immediately and actually understand what they're talking about. Mother's mm-hmm. always a good step too. Yeah, Both. mother's a good first step. And so in 1989, they submitted a patent for a sports bra that was created to provide support, especially for the women with large breasts during, they call it leisure time activities, such as jogging, horseback riding, and aerobics. And then the patent goes on to say that more particularly, the sports bra is constructed constructed in such a manner as to provide firm support for the breasts and the back of the wearer and to avoid irritation commonly experienced by women with large breasts during these activities. So I guess how I would describe the encapsulation bra is that it basically keeps each breast in two little cups. Right, right. It looks like they're like small little cups, just not as much as a normal bra, but Mm -hmm. it still holds them. It holds them in place better instead of just compressing, I guess. Yeah. So Renelle makes this awesome bra and she takes it to all these companies to see if they're interested. and Nobody's given her a chance. She decides to do it herself. She says, I'm full-blooded Norwegian and it's hard to tell Norwegian anything. So I just decided to do it. Yeah, you can't mess with the Norwegians or any of the Scandinavian country people. I mean, watch Midsummer, you know, to kind of get tunnel vision, let them do them, you do you. Exactly. So Renelle takes that Leif Erikson energy and she begins testing with a leading authority on sports bra research. And it doesn't call out who this person is. But if I had to guess, I would say it's one of those ladies but I couldn't find any evidence, so nobody quote me on that. Yeah. So then we get the Enel sports bra. It's doing pretty well, but Renelle is trying to get a bra to Oprah because she sees Oprah run on a treadmill on her show, and she's just like, Oprah, you know what you need? You need my encapsulation sports bra. And so then there's this celebrity fitness trainer, Kathy Kaler, And she's hired by Drew Barrymore to help Drew get in shape for Charlie's Angels. And in the 2000 January and February issue of Women's Sport and Fitness, Kathy recounts that Drew didn't want to jump rope because high-impact exercises hurt her chest. And so Kathy gives her an Anel sports bra. And after testing it out, Drew apparently said, this is going to change my life. And so then... Because, you know, everybody in Hollywood talks. Drew Drew tells one of her friends, Jeanne Triplehorn, about the bra. And then Jeanne's publicist reaches out to Rennell, asking for, reaches out to Rennell, asking for the Enel bra. A lot of Enels there. And Rennell just casually mentions, like, oh, I'm trying to get my bra to Oprah. What do you know? Jeanne 
knows a publicist who knows the creative publicist at O Magazine. So 2002 rolls around and the Anel Bra appears in the April issue of O Magazine in an article titled O List, A Few Things Oprah Thinks Are Just Great. That's so vague. I hate that. I, so pause. That is such a vague little magazine headline. It's very on brand for Oprah, I do have to say. Two years later, though, O's back at it again. Anel's in the issue, March, in the section, Essential Workout Equipment. That's, but, a, that's a better title, I do have to say. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not until 2005 that Oprah's support caused Anel to really take off. So sometime in the summer of 2005, the exact dates are hard to pin down, but Renell got a call from somebody on Oprah's staff saying they were doing a segment on sports bras for the next day's show. And Oprah was going to try on the Anel bra and do it on that segment. And so apparently during this lose weight with Oprah segment, um, Oprah gives a really enthusiastic endorsement of the Anel sports bra, and this causes Anel's popularity to go through the roof. Renell has to hire additional employees, and to this day, Anel remains the single best high impact sports bra for large breasts. And for some ladies, the sport the Anel sports bra has been the very thing that has allowed them to pursue. An athletic life. One of the things that I love about the story of the sports bra is that it takes something that at one point was a real barrier for women to be athletes and it just makes it a non-issue. Right, it elevates them. Yeah. I just, I would love to see this with like other things like, I don't know, like wanting to have children. Right. And being pregnant. Yeah, it should be a thing that, like, empowers you and, and, yeah. and brings you up instead of being, like, an obstacle or a hindrance to, to whatever your um, athletic goals are. Yeah, totally. That is, I would say, the A to Z timeline of the history of the sports bra. For the peeps who don't know what Brandy did with that faithful World Cup. So the Women's World Cup started... I'm pretty sure 90, what's, what's, uh, I think they might've had one or two before that. I can't really remember. Definitely in the 90s, which is crazy. And we won four of them. Plug, screw the USSR, you know, soccer federation and what they said, really pissed. But back to this, so Brandy Chastain, I, I mean, I think any little girl who's probably ever played soccer in their entire life knows this moment. They just don't realize that they do know it. But it's 1999. They're in the um, World Cup final against China. And Brandy Chastain kicked like the game-winning penalty kick for the 5-4 victory over China. And she's just so overcome with emotion that she rips off her shirt. Which you see men do all the time, granted. Yes. And I'm, I'm sure... I was only four, so I have no idea. But I'm sure that this made ridiculous headlines the next day. But she oh, ripped yeah. it off, and it's just her entire body is flexed of because she's screaming, uh, and and it's just such a it's powerful. It gives me the chills looking at yeah. it. So, you That's know, one of my favorite pictures. Oh, of all time, easy. Honestly, I think we've done it. We have 
given the people what they need, which is a deep dive into the history of the sports bra. Mm-hmm. We've kicked off F1. That's so it's so exciting. We're gonna keep bringing you content about the history of women's sports. We're mm-hmm. pivoting now from clothing into actual sports. Yep, yep. I think we're we're gonna deliver some great content. Knowledge, straight knowledge is gonna be dropped on you. Straight knowledge. You know, my true goal for this podcast is that one day they're gonna be a group of friends at a bar for their weekly trivia. <laughs> and instead of a dumbass question about some World Series pitcher, we're going to get a question about the history of women's sports. Thank you so much for joining us to our uh, listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom, my dad, my mom, my dad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll be back at some point. Go to historyofthesportsbroad.com for more. We have pictures and links and all sorts of other fun stuff, including hopefully one day little brief bios about ourselves. Yeah, that's on me, folks. I got to fill that one out. So (laughs) you can just blame Julia. (laughs) Well, uh, from the History of the Sports Brock crew, we just want to wish you guys a good night. And play hard. Thanks for listening. Check out our website, historyofthesportsbra.com, for episode extras and more content on the wonderful world of women's sports.